Welcome to Reconcile Radio. I'm your host, Kelvin Sansom, where the central theme of this podcast comes from 2 Corinthians 5.20. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors. As our God makes appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And today's segment we shall be discussing on is the effects of sin or the consequences of sin, which I have 11 points for you guys today and coming from a man named Don Stewart, from which I also agree as a Christian that he is a good study from, from if you all ever can download the app called Blue Letter Bible App. It's a really helpful tool you can use in studying. Now, the first 11 points, the first one talks about when it comes to the effects of sin is the quenching of the Holy Spirit's ministry. Sin quenches the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. When we read in the Bible, it talks about in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, it says, Do not quench the Spirit. Quench means to throw a wet blanket over. Sin is acknowledging the will of God through preaching, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, 20. And not being thankful in everything, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And not praying spontaneously, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And not rejoicing whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.16. And not abstaining from evil, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.22. And all these things, these small things, quench the Holy Spirit's teaching ministry in our lives and takes away our sharpness to understand spiritual truth it's like a sharp razor a knife it's it can't work if it's dull you got to be sharpened to understand the truth you can't continue on sinning number two when we sin bible study becomes unfruitful Bible study then is not a rewarding experience. The psalmist wrote in Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 2, Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path of sinners, tread, or sit in the sea of the scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law they meditate day and night. Which also in that Psalms you can refer to as the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. And when you sin, Bible study does not accomplish anything. Because in James chapter 1, verse 22-24, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a person observing their natural face in a mirror. For they observe themselves, go away, immediately forget what kind of person they were. We are supposed to let God's word act like a mirror to point our areas in our personal life that need changing. Instead, we make excuses or forget to apply the Bible teaching to our everyday situation and decision in our lives. Number three, sin robs us of our joy. The Bible says that God wants our joy to be full. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, These things we write to you that your joy may be full. In the sense of our salvation may be full. We may have joy of our salvation. Joy is a deep satisfaction that stems from knowing the Lord. We are in the place that He approves. It's an inner happiness, not a dependent upon our outside circumstances. Sin will rob us of that joy. Number four, it takes away excitement. Another problem with sin is that it takes away the excitement of the Christian life. An example of this would be King David. 
After his sin murder, sin of murdering and adultery, he then confessed to the Lord and asked the Lord to restore his joy. According to Psalms chapter 51, verse 12, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold with me a generous spirit. Sin causes us to lose the joy of our salvation. We do not feel too saved right then, do we? When we lose our joy of our salvation, we often ponder if we truly are saved then because we have dwelt in sin. Sin can take away the joy of our salvation, like I said earlier. The Christian then looks to worldly pleasures to fill the void, and it empties the heart. Number five, sin robs us of our peace. Sin also robs us of our peace and that the believer is to be characterized by the inner calm and contentment when it comes to peace. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And in Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Sin can anguish the heart, which is complete loss of peace. In Psalms 32, verses 3 and 4, it says, When I kept silent, my bones grew old through the groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me, and my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. When we sin, and it weighs on our hearts, on our minds, it makes our bones ache. Sometimes sin can keep you up late at night. I can testify I am one here that it definitely has. And you probably are one too. For a Christian who is truly redeemed. Number six. Sin hinders our fellowship with God. Sin robs us of our fellowship with God. That in first John chapter one, verses three and six it says, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you. That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 6. We say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. Fellowship can be defined as a consciousness that everything is right between God and us. At that very present moment. The same thing. The same thing that makes God happy makes us happy. Likewise, things that makes God sad makes us sad if we are in fellowship with God. Number seven, sin causes feelings of separation. And it can cause us to feel separation between us and the Lord. First John 1 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we live a lie and do not practice the truth. We live a lie means trying to live the Christian life in the energy of the flesh. And do not the truths refer to those who are ignorant or willfully disobedient to God's commandments? The believer experiences a loss or a lone feeling until they get things right with God. And number eight, sin brings a loss of confidence in prayer. Sin robs us of our confidence. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 19 through 22, it says this, And by this, now that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him, for it, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and know all things. Beloved, 
if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Notice in the final part, though, the final is a promise is qualified. The Christian must be obedient. They must keep God's commandments to have their prayers answered. Thus, the Holy Spirit controls only those who ask to be under His control. The things that believer prays for are what the Holy Spirit directs them in the will of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our in our weakness. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. Sometimes in prayer, in our prayer life, we do not have the words to say. We don't even know how to comprehend what we want to say. Sometimes the Spirit's already groaning and with desire in us. And you know what? The good thing is the Holy Spirit is interceding for you already. Those groanings which you cannot comprehend already to the Father. Thank God. So for in, in the number nine, sin makes us unanswered prayers until they're confessed. Sin can cause our prayers to be unanswered. In Psalm 66, 66, verse 18, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. When believers sin, God does not answer the prayers with a yes. God wants to first hear a prayer of confession. Number 10. Sin loses our anticipation of Christ's return. Sin also robs us of our boldness and anticipation of Christ's return. And Christians should be able to stand before the judgment seat with confidence and long with our, our, our whole entire being, long to be with Christ and long to anticipate Him in His return. No longer be in sin, but be with Him forever, separated from the presence of sin. When we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, it says, For we... Must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. A judgment seat can be a time of vindication where all the little things that we have done behind the scenes that have gone unnoticed by people will come to light. The question is, do you have confidence before the judgment seat of Christ? Is your joy complete in Him? Number 11. Our sin makes us fearful. Sin will cause us to be fearful of what is uncovered when Christ judges our works. In Titus chapter 2 verse 13 it says, Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. John chapter 2 verse 28 says this too, And now little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So in conclusion to all this, When we sin, it has an effect on us as well as others. We lose our spiritual sharpness. Confession is the only thing that can bring that back. Therefore, it is vital that Christians confess their sin. Why is it important? Because God longs for you to be restored to Him. He longs for you to be reconciled back to Him through confession. Now also, when it comes to the effects of sin and the consequences of sin... I'm going to ask you another question here, and I have two parts to answer this question. Is the question, do Christians care that they sin? Or, or in other words, um, if they don't care about they sin, do they care enough that they sin? Do Christians care enough if they sin? The first part 
Alistair Begg talks about this way. When we read Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, it says this. When it talks about the deadness of sin and life to God, it says this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were also baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall surely be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For where one who has died has been set free from sin. So if we are dead to sin, we are giving a new heart. We are given a new creation, a new desire. Um, so what's the problem here? When we sin, we forget who we are to God or whose we are to God in Christ. We forget whose we are and who we belong to. It leaves us in a state of lawlessness, meaning you're careless, or in a state of legalism where you feel like God's word is burdensome. Or it's about doing, it's, it's about rules you have to keep then it becomes a gospel issue where you do not know the gospel or the heart of the gospel what it means then it becomes an identity issue where you forget who you are in in god through christ and not only that it then becomes a sin issue and here's the second part of it it is impossible for a person to be regenerate of the holy spirit and not care at all about the sinning why? Because if you're a Christian, then you should have a desire to repent of your sin. You should have a fruitful desire to want to repent. It's not a one-time thing. It is a daily thing where you are continuously repenting of your sin and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, acknowledging Him with your mind, your heart, and soul, and your body. You are striving to be like Him every day. But maybe we do care, but maybe we don't care enough. Why? Because our hearts are not fully sanctified. And God, through his conviction of his spirit, has not fully revealed to us the sinfulness of our hearts, or I mean, of our sin. And, and if he did reveal to us the fullness of our sin, we'd probably be dead. Because it's already enough when he con convicts us of our sin little by little. So can you only imagine the fullness if he revealed our sin to us all at once? An example of that is Psalms 51, where David is convicted of his sin. So, But here's the good news and blessing. God is slow to anger, and he is slowly, gradually correcting us and sanctifying us. That's why it's called progressive sanctification. Now, we know the consequences of our sin. And we know the consequences of sin. If not, we have a God who deals with us and our sin. And he longs for us to look, act, and be like him. And to dwell with him. That's why we need to take our sins seriously. Because now we know the consequences of our sin. So I'll finish with what I 
started with. Actually, before I finish, I want to say one more thing. And I've said this many times on this podcast by Paul Washer. When it comes to the Christian life and being sanctified, when it comes to being be a Christian, it means loving the righteousness you once hated and hating the sin you once loved. So now finish what I started with. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors as the government makes appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is Kelby Sansom with Reconcile Radio, signing off.